Hello and welcome to week one of the French Football Weekly podcast. We are exclusively a podcast, of course, this season, and we'll be here every week to dissect the action. And the first week is in the books, so we will be going over that particular action shortly. Of course, I am your host, Chris, and I will need my good pals to join me in discussing the weekend's action of course and they are jeremy smith and philip Arf. how are you doing guys you okay hello okay thanks hello all oh, jazz all oh, jazz um we'll come to mets but we'll make it brief right i promise i promise at least brighton did all right uh, right, let's jump in. Uh, first of all, before we have a look at the league action at the weekend, and what an opening weekend it was, by the way, goals pretty much everywhere. Phil, bad news, unfortunately, in the women's game, uh, France yeah. have gone out. Do tell. Yes, so this was the quarterfinal where France were playing co-hosts Australia, and unfortunately for France fans... France are out. I think for the usual, this was an absolutely epic game. Um, it went all the way to penalties, and even the penalty shootout was just epic as well. So I think one thing that was very interesting was that uh, France, from the outset, seemed to be paying more attention to the defensive side of things. Uh, so they um, got um, Diomeda, a right back who's normally a centre back, with Lacra come back after her uh, injury and double marking people at times. But I think it ended goalless, and that was, um, in some cases, more luck than good management. It was a wonderful. Uh, goal line clearance from Dale Maida, um channeling her centre back instinct at one point. But I do think one thing to say is that Australia played this pretty much perfectly. Um, in the opening kind of 15, 20 minutes, uh, France looked much more threatening, but they didn't manage to get which is something we have noted before. And at the end of that first half, Australia, basically the last 10 minutes, put the hammer down. And I think when halftime came in, it was very much, it couldn't have come soon enough for France. And then after the break, Australia came out swinging again. And France could never get into their rhythm. And just when they had a spell of, you know, possession and more threat, Australia brings Sam Kerr on, who immediately causes utter chaos uh, in the um, in the French penalty area. And it did mean that I think France never were able to get comfortable in this game. Overnight has said. Well, the crowd was against us. You're playing in Melbourne against Australia. I think it's pretty clear you shouldn't have been expecting a, a friendly crowd. And while bringing on uh, the Gibecho uh, at about the 60, 65th minute did 
then bring some more life to France. If you look at the Opta threat chart, I mean, it it looks very, um, <clears throat> very much like that made a difference. And Betcha was, was everywhere. She's a young player from Lyon, um, but she turned up right wing with some beautiful footwork to set up the corner where the ball did go in the net. Um, an own goal, in fact, but that was ruled out because apparently Wendy Renard was was penalised for a foul, although it looked like she did that much. She turns up left, middle. She did a really good job of, I think, re-enlivening a France team that was kind of a bit lost for, lost for words at this point. But then we got into extra time and you could just see it coming. You could just see it coming. And what was very interesting was um, that Hervé Renard actually switched goalkeepers late on in extra time. Took off uh, Pauline uh, Pernomagna, who'd been excellent, to bring on Solin Doran, who is a penalty specialist, apparently. And so that was really, oh, my God, he's doing a... You know, who was the Dutch coach that that brought Tim Drawn on? Anyway, it was so the stress levels are rising, rising, and we get to penalties. And there were some good saves on both sides. And Arnold in the Australian goal actually had the guts to step up and take one, missed it, and then had to go back to the day job as it were, which is just like a phenomenal amount of moxie. Um, and I think Australia had kind of match point three times, screwed up the first two, and then Vines, uh, Courtney Vine got the winning penalty. But it was fascinating so tense I was just out of blood pressure by the time this game finished and then I had to watch the England game after that I was just (laughs) so I think it was um, a good performance overall by France the first game was awkward they were then very impressive beating Brazil beating Panama easily Morocco easily but we knew as we discussed last week this was going to be a tough game against go hosts home home advantage a very capable team and I think as I said Australia played it pretty much perfectly they managed to impose their game on France and France did not like that it just it was one of those meant-to-be moments, really. If uh, if you think about um, if you think about kind of home advantage and hosting and whatever that it's gutting for France fans, but maybe for the benefit of the tournament, it was you know unaccepted, should we say? Yeah, and uh, do you? Uh... I presume, well, obviously the, the interest from our point of view ends here, but do you see Australia beating England so that... We well, I think to... they definitely can. 
Let's hope so. They, you could see throughout, particularly when it got into extra time, the France players were like, oh, we, we are in trouble. And you could just see Australia's belief building and building. At one point, there was a clash of heads between Hadley, who was also having a massive um, kind of mano a mano with Vicky Betcher. Um, Catley and uh, Lazoma clashed heads, and Catley's been kind of taken off to do the concussion protocol. And from her attitude towards the medics and the authorities, you could thought she knew exactly where she was. It was like, we are, we are doing this. We are not letting go. And Arnold in goal, as I say, to take a penalty, miss one, and then have to go back. And she then saved several, including two from Kenza Darling, having uh, been judged to be off a line for the first one and had to re-save the retake. As it were. I mean, just the, the absolute commitment they had there, I think, was... Very, very special, and so I would say England are gonna, England are gonna struggle. Yeah, it's uh, one thing's for sure in the the modern game. There is no alternatives, but one thing that remains clear: penalties is a cool way. Uh, to lose at any level of um, yeah. of football, so unfortunate for for Le Bleu's women's team. Unfortunately, um, but. A good run, nevertheless, and still some of the nicest kits. But, you know, that's another story. Um, right. I, I don't like the colour. It's not blue enough. It is a little bit too it's light. It's not but... blue enough. We want it properly blue. Yeah. I'm not right. saying that had anything to do with it, but that's just a side note. Just how it is, yeah. I like the away one, I must admit. Uh, anywho, well, um, commiserations uh, to the ladies as they return home from that particular tournament. Um, luckily, we did have something nice to distract us from that on the weekend because we saw the return of Liga. Now, we will deal with some of the off-the-field stories uh, in a moment, but let's start on the field. And, uh, Jazz, I want to come to you first of all, and I want to work um, in reverse order this weekend because last night, uh, time recording, we're recording on Monday evening, last night saw Strasbourg, Patrick Vieira, uh, versus Leon's Laurent Blanc, uh, sort of re reignition, reignition of the 1998 World Cup vibes, keeping on a national team front. And it was the Blues of Strasbourg who came out on top. Um, I want to give Strasbourg credit, Jez, I, I really do, and I feel like we should. Um, but I, I guess the story is is going to be Leon. So um, I'm going to hand the bat on over to you and, and see if you can craft something out of this. One thing I didn't realise, I must admit, was uh, your friend of mine, uh, Dial, had gone to Saudi Arabia. That transfer had completely blown me aside. I didn't realise that had happened. But luckily, Motiba uh, scored the winner after Belgard had opened the scoring for a free kick and then set up Motiba for that winner. Tagliafica's goal was not enough. What? Did you make of the two sides on on the night in a game that it struggled, didn't it, for long periods, and then it kind of exploded with about twenty minutes to go? What's your thoughts on both sides? I felt a little bit sorry for Lyon because I think they were probably the better team until until the goal, the first goal. Um, Lacazette hit the post. I thought Cacre was very bright. Um, I think it just. <laughs> 
again indicative of a team that's sort of a little bit in the doldrums that once they went down a goal heads went down I mean the first goal wasn't great defending firstly in terms of the the free kick being given away and then allowing that that ball to sort of be whipped in and just go straight in which it shouldn't have done and and um not saying that Lopez would necessarily have saved it, but it was, it's Leon's substitute keeper, Lopez, um, got a concussion in a preseason match and, and is out for, for the whole, I think, first month, month of the season, yeah. which really doesn't help things with a thin, inexperienced squad or inexperienced in, in some quarters anyway. Um, so, yeah, it just felt like, Leon is starting to kind of believe that everything's going against them and, and heads went down and, and not for the first time. Kakare seemed to be the only player who was firstly getting stuck in, having to have his, his head bandaged. And, and secondly, sort of not only do his his job of um, sort of, you know, disruptor of the other team and, and sort of starting things off, but ended up being, seemed to me like Leon's best playmaker. I think it was his through ball who set up Lacazette for the one that hit the post. It was him who who put in the cross for for Lyon's um what turned out to be the consolation we just yeah I just I think they're a little bit of a mess and I feel like they're a confidence team who if they can get on a run or if they can take the lead in matches may well be able to to sort of hold out or even kind of push on and, and get good results but I just I I wouldn't be surprised if once they go a goal down generally more often than not this season that will end up being going down as a defeat because I just feel like there's not enough fight there um yeah. and then on the other side you've got Strasbourg who on paper look by far the more kind of disruptive team oh but Barkler I thought also looked very quiet and I wonder if he's mm. being settled by transfer rumors and that's another thing like we keep saying you can't can't really judge a lot of teams' prospects until the end of the transfer window. I think it's not even just who's still going to be there, but players who are kind of being having their heads turned or being unsettled by other teams. Um, I think that that's that's another factor that that affects certain players. And Strasbourg looked disrupted, but um, yeah, they they sort of won out. And Belgard, I've, I've been a fan of for for quite a while now, and it was good oh, yeah. to see him sort of basically dominate the whole match. I thought. Um, long overdue as well isn't it like he's been threatening to do it for a couple of seasons and that performance showed what he's capable of I thought yeah yeah so yeah good start for for Vieira I'm still still feel it's not the strongest squad in the world but um, yeah I think they'll you know they'll be okay and and a really positive way to start the season I think yeah as I said I think they rode their luck quite a bit yeah um, they're not going to complain I think a, a big win to to keep the men or fans happy as well which isn't a bad thing to do it's a good ground and under the lights for sure one of those under the lights grounds um i thought that the back three to kurene mc and silla were, were very good throughout um and i was quite pleased for the young dutch center forward um, omega i believe his name is making his debut um he will be very happy Strasbourg won this game because there was at least two i think in the first half where he really should have passed to motiba and the sort of innocence of youth, he just tried to do it all on his own. And particularly the second, Matiba went absolutely mental at him. So good job for them that he won. Just one other question on this game for you before we move to another one, Jez. Is, is Laurent Blanc under pressure at this point? And I guess the sub-question to that is, if he is under pressure, is it more likely that he does 
maybe what he did before and just throws his hands in the air and says, Do you know what, I'm out? Or is he under pressure that, you know, he could be one of the front runners to be to be fired? Because although Leon ended the season well last season, we've been through the off the field stuff and that's ongoing. But that squad for me, you touched on it. If they lose either Shaki or Barcola or heaven forbid both, it's it's a, it's a bit it's not great, is it? And there's not even that much like there's not a huge amount of youth that you could say are ready to step up yet in the famous Leon tradition. So is, is Blanc under the pressure from day one? Um, I think he is under pressure, but I think he's taken the pressure off himself and I just don't think the club have helped themselves. I think all these years later and, you know, after coaching a fantastic Bordeaux team to the title, steadying the ship, um, for France and I think doing a very underrated job post-Dominic and pre, pre-Deschamps, it's still really hard to gauge the quality of Blanc as a coach. But he does generally seem to have the credit of the Lyon fans or at the very least isn't the sort of uh, target of all their kind of ire. Weirdly, nor is John Texter at the moment, but anyway... Yeah. Um, and I think he's played it cleverly with these kind of will I, won't I, or almost quit within a month if there's still a coach by the end of the week, that kind of thing, which yeah. probably isn't pleasing those above him. But yeah, I think he might have set himself up so that if things continue go, to go wrong, and particularly if it's stuff that's out of his hands, he's he's able to sort of walk away and probably not have too many fans or even neutrals necessarily kind of um you know pinning all the blame or or the criticism at him yeah yeah agreed it'd be interesting to see how this develops and you touched on that transfer window which remains open for another 15 16 days i feel like Leon are going to need players um and maybe even at the uh sacrifice chelsea Chelsea have left any players for any other team Yeah, very true. Uh, Phil, let's give some praise to Brest next because um, they, I mean, I don't I don't know what the, the odds would have been when they were 2-0 down at home to Lens uh, mm-hmm. the weekend. But a well, rather... Is, the referee must have had a bet on that. Yeah, I was just going to say a rather suspicious, uh, well, at least one, if not both of the penalties. Um, I think Jez was saying before the pod, the first one was iffy. I thought the second one was even more iffy. And a... And a more iffy red card for Thomason. Um, shouldn't take away from the Machado goal for Lance, which was if you like the sound of the ball hitting the back of the net yeah. uh, and the metal piece, it's beautiful. And what a goal that was. But what a comeback from Brest, who we all had as relegation yes. fodder. And Kenny Lala even got on the score sheet to win 3 2. I, I thought while watching this, we had been a little worried if Lance had been. Uh, discombobulated by losing Appenda and Fafana and they started really strongly and you look at that first half the regulation time of first half and they looked completely in control I think Sotogar was on his debut, he got the opener, uh, goal line technology was involved but there you go. And then there was that Machado bullet after a beautiful um, ball up the left from, I can't remember who that was, which is annoying. But it, then... what, it was um, 
there, Medina. Just before half time, uh, there was a penalty for Breast and Dark Dio scored that. And then in the second half, Kenny Lala, as you say, got the equaliser. And then there was another penalty later on. So Doug Theo got his second. In amongst that, Thompson is sent off a lot. So it was a very chaotic game. Um, and one of those, you know, traditional game of two halves. But yeah, Brest looked like they actually had some fighting, which obviously will be great for their fans to see. But it was a really good comeback, I think, because they did look badly outplayed um, in most of the first half and then just kind of clawed it back in again. So, yeah, should be a, an interesting, uh, interesting to see where they go from here, but that was a Sunday lunchtime kickoff that was unexpected. I think, in result terms, particularly, as you say, if you were putting a bet on a half-time. Yeah, yeah. Just, I think, of all the teams, you know, one of the biggest sides, with all due respect to Brest, maybe. But um, at 2-0, the game was dead. Like, I mean, there was just no coming back. And I think that yeah, is, is the old-school sort of mentality of goal right before half-time, but um, crucial oh. for De Castillo. So... Good, uh, very good win for the Pirates who set sail on their new season. Um, I say they are one of the favourites to go down, but that will not do them any uh, any sort of um, or it will not do them any harm. I should, yeah, put me put find my words somewhere in there. Um, Jez, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of just sandwich two games into one here. I don't know if you want to say anything about Ren's five one win. Oh, sorry, over mess. Um, You've got some wonderful kits again. I have to say that, that yellow one's a beauty. A day that Okija will probably want to forget, and I know this is going to be slightly painful, but did Ren impress you or was it more down to the sort of individual errors? Because I felt like at least two, maybe three of the goals that, that Mess conceded were were those of a team that aren't quite ready yet for the guy in terms of the season. You know, it, it sort of struck me as... They switched off for a couple of those goals. Is that fair or, or am I being harsh based on what you saw? No, that's fair. I mean, um, I think I was going to say Ren are a bit of a bogey team for mess, but so are about 40 other teams. So. Um, <laughs> you said that, not me. <laughs> um, last year, I think, or well, two seasons ago, was, I think there was like 6-0 or something like that. And that was flattering to us as well. Um I don't know. I, I, look, Ren are, yes, Ren are impressive. And first match of the season at Ren was always going to be tough. Um, but I think you're a little bit generous saying two or three of the goals, I thought, and more than that were Messi's fault, bad defending, to be fair, disrupted defence before the start of the match, right back, yeah. left back, that kind of thing. But again, that's all, you know, part of, part of football and, and the need to have a strong squad or whatever. Mikija, for me, is not up to it. And the number of chances, less so mistakes, but more rushes of blood to the head and red cards and things like that. I'm surprised that Mess is still sticking with him. Mm. Um, but 
I wouldn't say I felt sorry for him, but he made a couple of important saves as well. But it did feel like a good two or three of the goals were were sort of him making saves and you can argue whether he should have done better to sort of palm it wide or whatever, but it was always a rem player on hand to knock it in. So I think a lot of the defence can share the blame. Um, Mess as well, they're sort of a little bit in limbo until they know if or when Mikotautsi and and Maziz will leave. They don't know how much they've they've got to spend on others. Um, My concern is that I don't think they can rely on scoring a lot of goals this season without those two. So they need to rely on on being mean defence. And, you know, the season won't turn on whether we get a result at somewhere like Wren or not. But it's not a huge morale boost to start the season with. And the next match is at home to Marseille. Um, That'll be easy. Yeah. (laughs) The thing, uh, you know, I think I I did do a review of Mess and kind of said, you know, they, they built a very positive dynamic last year. And a lot will turn on how much of that is is left after the first two matches. So yeah. it hasn't been the greatest of starts, even though, as I said, that the the noises coming out of the club are sort of Ren are a lot better than us. What do you yeah. expect? Don't judge us on this, which is fair enough. But um possibly ominous signs, you know, we we managed to to get back to one all straight after conceding and the last two goals or the last couple of minutes are maybe I don't know if it made it flattering or, yeah. or was a Breakaway goal fairer like reflection of the of the of the match, but yeah, yeah, I, deserved it. But yeah, I don't yeah, know. exactly. Yeah, so yeah, a couple of goals late on for for young Ibrahim Salah. I think his first two touches of the season were were goals. So um, good for him and uh, your old mate Jeremy Doku uh, turning up for once as well in the sunshine. Let's see how long that lasts, but. Well, Manchester apparently City. Man City won him, yeah. which I, I genuinely do not understand. <laughs> Nor do I. This, the, yeah, he's the least Pep Guardiola type player I can ever imagine. But uh, his YouTube highlights are great. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it broke my heart to see Enzo Lefe running that midfield. It made me feel very sad. So maybe we should move on quickly. But uh, yeah, um, interesting to see Maziz. I picked him out as one of the players to watch for Mess this season. You know more than I would, Jess. But based on what I saw in a little bit of research I did Friday he, he looks like a player but whether he'll still be there along with Mikkel Tanzi we shall see um just quickly on Monaco because I know I think Phil has a, a thought oh. as well. <laughs> um Monaco let's deal with the performance first of all I don't know if you saw this game just but they won 4-2 at at um Claremont I wanted to start with you because I know you're a big fan of Monaco goalkeepers um <laughs> Great, great start for the new man in net for, for Monaco in this particular game. Um, it won't matter now because they did run out winners, but I presume you saw the uh, the opening goal, <laughs> which was just, I mean, when you're a new goalkeeper, I, I, I speak of, is he Austrian, Cohn? I think he's Austri- Swiss, sorry, Philip Cohn, um, making his debut and literally just lets one fall through his hands to open the scoring and... Yeah, I, I thought of you immediately when I saw that go in. But performance as a whole, um, we'll come on to Ben Yedder in a second, but 4-2 win for Monaco, a late goal from Akliosh, who's uh, Akulish, who's supposed to be sort of one of the big names to watch out for this season. They got a few at Monaco. Magasa is another one who was very good in pre-season. Good start for Adi Hutzer. Uh, away at a tough ground in Claremont. Were you sort of over? Did did they do it for you, Monaco, in terms of that 
resiliency? Because this is a game they probably would have lost last season. I think they started the season, not last season as well, maybe, from memory. Um, yeah, I think you might be right, actually, if you say, yeah. I'm still not convinced. No, they're falling into the Marseille box for you. <laughs> we'll wait and see come Christmas type of thing. Um, and and those those young players... I do like their kit, by the way. Oh, all, all three of them are absolutely wonderful, yeah. Yeah, the, the away one is, is a thing of beauty. Um yeah, a couple of those young players, quite excited by those. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about Ben Seguir last year a bit, as you said, Akiyosha. You know, Monaco do still have a very good youth setup. There's some good players coming through there. So I'm hoping they get they get good chances. And I think generally, you know, for however the results go, wherever they finish you rarely get a Monaco team that doesn't play decent football. So I think they'll be fun to watch. I'm just, yeah, I'm not sure about mentality um, to sort of last the course. But um, it was a decent start and Ben Yedder on the pitch, yeah. mostly. I mean, it's very much fox-in-the-box stuff and arguably more and more as he gets older, which is fair enough. A lot of teams would kill for that. Um yeah, I, I thought it was a little bit flattering to, to them. But when you've got a player who can come up with those goals and score around 20 goals a season, if he lasts the season on the pitch, if you know what I mean, then um, then they, as we said last week, that will buy you a few points that you don't always deserve. Yeah, should be up there. Um, Phil, it, it is a, a slightly... It's sort of a. We have to be a bit careful what we say here because the fan was arrested. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I mean, you, you you have to go with arrested, the innocent until charged, and is on nine hundred grand bail. Yeah, this is for two alleged rapes in in uh, France for rape, attempted rape, and sexual assault. Yeah, but so we have to say for legal reasons. Time recording that, that, those... that is that it those are facts though yeah. those have been reported yeah yeah reporting yeah. and report, yeah. i just want to know who works in an environment where if someone was arrested on thursday and charged and with those kind of offenses and you've got the manager coming out on Friday morning saying, yeah, he's going to play. Mm. That was, I think there was a timing confusion because it looked like Putter had said that before he knew what had happened because this was about Ben Yedda's arrest was reported on Friday afternoon. It was reported on Friday afternoon. It turns out that he was actually, all of this actually took place on the Thursday evening. So Hutter would have been aware of this. And obviously, this relates back to charges, allegations that were first made uh, a month ago, mid early July. And so you're just thinking, why are we? So, yeah, he scored two goals. He'll be yeah. great. He was captain and he's captain and it's fine. The, okay. the sub, yeah. 
What, what did you I make? Think of we talked about it last week, I think, in terms of Mendy, and you know, it's yeah. not great that we're having to talk about that kind of thing at all. Mm. And a similar kind of thing to last week. He's been arrested, mm-hmm. but he's sort of. I don't know if you take the view innocent and proven guilty, but I agree that I'm not sure it's a great look rushing him straight into the team, keeping the captaincy. And I did not, I didn't like his celebration. I thought that That's was very, was very yeah. classless. He, uh, the uh, the Claremont fans, um, my their feelings clear. Yeah, but he was booed throughout. But, you know, it, this. This is just where we're at now. Well, like Hakimi started for PSG, yeah, who has rape allegations hanging over him since March. So, you know, Tuara changed their president after he was um, had his appeal against a domestic violence uh, charge turned down. Now, yeah. yeah, whatever. I, I... They play football. They play football. That's all they do. I think, I think that's kind of an important thing, and I, I don't want to dwell on this too long, but I feel like we have to, you know, mention it. And I do feel like you've hit an important thing that I think, I think it to answer what you were saying there, Phil. I think if this is in an office environment, you know, where you, I, or Jez work, I think we're suspended on full pay and taken out of the limelight. Is completely the wrong word, but taken out of the the center of of allegations. You know. Yeah, that's better. That's a better description. We're we're taken out gardening leave and suspended i think you know on full pay that's generally how things work in this environment the, the thing that sort of because i don't score 20 odd goals a season for my club yeah well it's i think it's just more than money in football it's just, and it but it's not just football i think it's, it, this would happen with a celebrity as well i think we had the case with jonathan majors in in hollywood recently where that's you know that's hanging over his head and he's still got to make money off films um i just feel that for me personally, I thought the celebration, if he is innocent and only he will know if he is innocent, then I guess he has every oh, right to fire not. back. But that that's the thing, I think, and only he will know. And that's where I feel like if you are innocent, maybe just let it, just let, you know, let justice prevail and move forward. I didn't really feel like he had to do the, the gesture. And if you haven't seen it, it's basically him crossing his arms as if he's been handcuffed. Um and the other thing that I just felt was just a little bit, you know, the, the argument is he he technically, and I tweeted this, so I mean, I stand by it. He technically is permitted to do his job until he's proven otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. And we may not like that, but that's just the way it is. Um, but it doesn't mean we all have to agree with it. And I think, like Jess said, with the Mendy situation, um, and I feel the same way with the Greenwood situation in the UK as well. Yeah there's enough evidence out there that suggests there's something in these allegations and the fact that these players can continue to play with it hanging over their head. I think that's the bit that probably is a little bit gross. I think it's the word I'm going to use. Um, but let's move away from grossness and come back onto the pitch. Um, just briefly, Phil, let's put two games together. Marseille beat Rouse by two goals to one. They came from behind at the Velodrome. A goal for Vitinha of all people after a lovely Itu opener. Uh, delicious the other Vitinha. From... The other Vitinha. Well, I yeah. have to call him because the non-PSG I, one. And that I, I looked goal up was... and said Vitinha had someone in his pocket. And I'm like, oh, I've watched this entire PSG game. Yeah. Seriously, yeah, hasn't it? Oh no, other game. Yes. Yeah. I think um, 
you know, Marseille. Rouse, Rouse have the best away kit yet again. Oh, that is a banger, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Although Brass <laughs> is pretty good as well. But carry on. I think the, the fact with this was it was kind of a relief because if we throw a little bit of third qualifying round in the Champions League in. Yeah, that didn't go well, did uh, it? When did not have a happy last week. I knew. I think um, Kondogbia, that was his debut match for yeah. He got booked in the first minute and then sent off about an hour later and nobody could work out why he hadn't subbed because it was clearly going to happen. Yeah. And then uh, they were playing away at Panathinaikos. um, And it was, I want to say Bernard um, got the goal, the sub that came on for Panathinaikos. so you've got Bernard and Jeffrey playing big parts in this game. It sounded like it should have been playing in the fifties. And Jeffino on as well. Yeah, Lucky for Harry as logical, and I think that's fair. So they're going to have uh, this week coming up. Um, you know, the need to get over that, which might be Jez. Uh, something you can hang yeah, hang on to because they might all be knackered by the time we get to Friday. I don't yeah. You you fancy them to turn around a one goal deficit at home, but then we know from last season they yep. weren't the best at the velodrome. So you know that I, I, I did find. Uh, it I think Condogbia's they... debut is. Oh, it's it, it's Jonathan Woodgate. It's annoyed it? a lot. Do <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, not not the most auspicious start. Um, and they left the Bamiyang and Dai uh, and Sar on the bench as well uh, for the start of this game. If you haven't seen it, the the equaliser from Anahi, who's just come back from injury, was absolutely delicious. And they have parted with Cengizunda this week as well. He's come back to Turkey, so no more uh, elaborate runs into the corner for him this season, unfortunately. Um, elsewhere, before we do a little PSG, because I feel we have to. Um, Lovely debut from your new boy at Montpellier for a 2-2 draw uh, with Le Havre, who well, went in front. But um, very, very Eliwahi, in particular, that second goal. I speak of uh, Adams, the new Nigerian centre-forward. In two minutes, I got Iko Adams, a Nigerian international, after Loris, not that one, had opened <laughs> the scoring for Le Havre, which made me just post. Um, he hit back to put it in front but the, that was um, a late equaliser from Grancia to make it 2-2 for uh, Lard's first point of the season. There were quite a lot of important late goals um, in the Toulouse match and Lille as well. Um, but yeah, it was a disappointing result but I think a positive first look because we know why he's going to go. We yeah. just don't know when and where. Yeah. How much. Um, so him yeah. coming in and having, you know, a kind of dream debut if you're an attacker, that was that was kind of reassuring and just hope that 
everything goes on from there. Yeah, early days, but a, a good good start and a decent point as well for Love away from home to start the season for them. Yeah, I mean, draw. if if I wasn't a Montpellier fan, I would have wanted them to get something for this match. Yeah, do yeah. you know what I mean? Because they're newly promoted and everything. So yeah, what I raised I raised an eyebrow I mean, when they went one. They're at home to rest at the weekend, so. Yeah, although with brass performance, I mean, who knows what they might say. Well, yeah, game. but I think that should also be something where they can get something. Yeah, so they're going to be, you know, they're not going to start with, if you start with like three losses on the spin, oh. that's a bit awkward. This yeah. at least means they're going to be in there and charging. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. It's uh, certainly a good way to get off, uh, get off and running with a point away from home. Um, elsewhere, other results that we have skipped over: um, Nonton to lose, not the greatest start in the world for Nonton who brought in another couple of players in the week, including Mark. Well, uh, possibly the worst thing about that two-one loss to Toulouse is Alban Font yeah. uh, busted some ribs and has a collapsed lung and, and will be out time, for. Yeah. They're saying two months, but yeah, I think it might be a bit longer. Busted some well. ribs, which yeah. caused the collapsed lung, then that could be problematic for a while, right? Especially as I a- had a mate who um did that pneumothorax because of a busted rib, and that painful. is yeah, painful, but also something he's still feeling. Yeah, a yeah, while it takes, on. takes I mean, ages to heal, and especially as a goalkeeper, where you not are an athlete, not... but a kind, decent neck. So yeah, yeah, as a as a keeper, when you're throwing yourself around and coming between mm-hmm. series of body, that's not ideal. But yeah, he he tweeted out that he would be back soon. Um, but I fear it's going to be a little while. Big blow that for uh, for Nord. Abu Klal with the uh, equaliser after Mohamed's penalty had put them in front. Nikolaisen with a, a last gasp winner. Which at the Is it kicking seven... someone while he's down? So it wasn't wasn't a great goalkeeping performance from him anyway. Uh, it is, but you can still say it. <laughs> I think I think the downside for him is he was one who was still being eyed up with potentially a move away before the window closed. And obviously that's now yeah. gone. So um, yeah. Yeah, uh, and maybe it would have done in the world of good to get away from a side which does appear like Nantes are going to struggle again this season, and that's not a great start for their new boss, unfortunately. Um, and as Phil mentioned, Nice and Lille drew 1-1 in the opening game of the weekend on Friday, uh, Lille getting a last gasp equaliser from Tiakite, um, as the gate and the board had put uh, Nice in front in a largely forgettable game. It promised a lot and didn't really quite get going um but two sides that you'd expect to be in the, the top reaches of the table coming into the season um before we sort of look ahead to the weekend's games um it, it wouldn't be um french weekly podcast if we didn't discuss psg jazz so um where do we begin should we begin with lorion because um can i just give them some credit because they went with a plan they had about three percent possession they dug in and uh came away with a very creditable point nil nil um but it's the off the pitch stuff that's occurred i mean they gave debuts to i think it was six of their new signings um all of whom had some moments it was quite refreshing i know phil will touch on this in a second as well but what about 
the Mbappe Neymar situation because we now know that Killian is likely to sign a new one-year deal with the uh, clause that he can leave next summer, which again, I just don't get what the point is, but you know, whatever. And Neymar would appear is off on his travels to who'd have thought Saudi Arabia. Thoughts, Jez, on the performance under Enrique for this first game and indeed that off the pitch shenanigans? Because Mbappe was having a lovely time in the stand with his new mate Dembele. Yeah, Mbele signed like a five year contract or something, so that should guarantee about 40 games or something. Yes, G. 14, um, maybe. 40 is yeah. a bit of a bit of a stretch. I I think I've made my feelings on him clear, but um well, I, I, Mbappe clearly likes him. It might be a tiny factor. I don't. I'm not even sure about this contract extension thing. I'll believe that when I see it. There's actually something that appeared on Lecky today saying it's not necessarily the case that anything has moved forward in those terms at all. Um, I think PSG played okay, but huffed and puffed. And as we said, I think I do like their slightly more joined up thinking transfer window. I like that they want to get rid of Verratti. I like that they're going to get rid of Neymar. I don't know if I've mentioned, but I think he's been a bit of a disappointment for PSG. No, you've never um, <laughs> um and you know thank goodness for Saudi Arabia that they're gonna they're gonna get decent money for him as well. Um although I'm surprised Chelsea haven't come in. Yeah me too. Last second. I think Chelsea are too busy selling everyone to the South and overpaying for they've barely sold anyone but the number of players they're signing is I mean, you can all slag PSG and Man City and all the rest of it off as much as you want, but Chelsea have pretty much spent Making a billion in a year, and I just I don't know how that's okay. No, um, no. Today, I think it's Caicedo, Lavia, and Delice, but mm. anyway, we're not talking <laughs> about that. Um, I yeah, I think you know, I know that no one's bigger than a club, but I think. Mbappe and PSG is probably the closest that any player has come in history to being bigger than the club. Absolutely. And it's PSG that have made that made it that way, I think. And so I still think both of them are playing a dangerous game. You know, at some point, Real Madrid are going to have had enough of this pissing around by Mbappe, not by PSG, but by Mbappe. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's winning any friends in Spain with all of this. Um, but I think... PSG just need him on the pitch. And massively so. I don't know. I think I think he knows that he needs to play. But Mm. I just I don't see if he wants to join Real Madrid, I don't really next year, I don't really see how this works out. Because they can just um sort of you know stick their feet in the mud and say, well, no, the Mm. sort of informal deal that we had after you shut on us last year was that we're not going to pay a fee for you so yeah. if you sign this then you're on your own for next season um look Mbappe's Mbappe football's fickle he's arguably the best player in the world he will end up somewhere special and be paid a hell of a lot of money for it whatever happens but I don't think he's covering himself in glory and although PSG are going to paint this as them sort of winning out I don't think they have done at all and I think no. The fact that it's come after the... given news that broke today, which was that 
Mbappe is going back to first team training after positive and constructive conversations. Everybody's very careful to stress this before the goal is drawn against Lionel. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's what I thought was pertinent watching that game. Obviously, I'm watching it from a Lorient perspective, so I was a bit, you know, a little bit biased and I thought Lorient defended extremely well, if not offered anything. Mbogo was, was, yeah, was good. Uh, Bamu Mate, I think, is a player who's going to grow and grow this season. I thought he was he was exceptional. Um, I, th- I thought Kalulu was very good. You know, Lorient... You didn't get a and, shot on target. No, we didn't need one. You know, we, we went there with we went there with the uh, the park the seven bus mentality. Um, <laughs> but the, what was more apparent to me was that a fully fit firing Mbappe, you know, PSG probably win three nil. So and and that was I don't think it's any coincidence that the day after a nil nil draw at home to a an unfavourable side in Liga suddenly Mbappe's back in the fold. Um, and and also, you know, we've said this on the podcast before. Killian is, is is a very intelligent young young man. There's a very clear reason why he was on television smiling away, you know, at Parc de Prince on 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 Saturday night, and people saying, "Oh, you know, he's he's been invited. He's a PSG player. He had every right to be there, but he knew full well he would be on the camera. So he's played this to a T. And... He spent a lot of that game playing on his phone and chatting to. Oh yeah, yeah, and his brother's there as well, which is which is lovely. You know, yeah. it, it all looked very very cute, and uh, as you say, Dembele's arrived, and you know, it was all very. I cute. wonder if Mbappe has been a factor in Neymar finally being pushed out. I think so. Oh, Director of football, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, th- oh, I think it has to be. But but where did their relationship break down? Because they were all friends originally, weren't they? And not anymore. So, but um, yeah, I think probably Mbappe had a. Bad back from carrying him, to- <laughs> <laughs> along with the rest of the squad. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. So you talk about Lafon's injuries, but yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of an old Saturday one. was weird for me because obviously I'd gone through the whole France Australia thing, then watching England play Colombia in the other quarterfinal, which was. Still some stress. So by the time I got to this, I think I might have been in some kind of fugue state, but it did just seem a very weird game. Mm. And now there were six new signings started. Um, Zaya Emery and Virginia, who basically joined last year, Donnarumma and Hakimi, who started the year before that, and then the the veteran was Danilo, uh, because Captain of course well. it was the, the the loan deal before he actually signed. So it did seem like we are ripping up the history here very much, and. Something that um, struck me, as I say, fugue state, had had quite a bit to drink, was I suddenly noticed how many of the advertising hoardings English language. Visit mm. Qatar, visit Rwanda, buy this refrigerator. Um, and they keep having that sign goat that goes all around the hoardings. And it's like, well, he's left. 
purse brand, isn't it? A clothing it's, brand. But it's used because they have Messi and mm. Mbappe, who was in the stands, as we've discussed, and Neymar, who was nowhere to be seen. And it just all felt very strange. But I think you were joking about this. After 10 minutes, PSG had had 97% possession. Yeah. It was 78% at half-time, 77% full-time. Their pass completion rate was 94%, which is fucking amazing if you do something with it. Yeah, sideways, and, sideways, sideways, sideways. And they didn't. It would, you look at the... The Dak Wilshire School of Football. You, you look <laughs> Without at... Without the end product. Um, uh, pass map that... Um, Arms taken arms do. And it was just everything was just there and doing nothing. And it felt at some point like um, the players were watching a different game from the rest of us because Lee, one of the new, new bugs, was rushing rushing off to take corners like it was the last minute in a cup final and then eh. yeah nothing and there. it was just weird to watch this PSG team I say this PSG team it's an entirely new team yeah it's fresh team yeah. and I'm not sure if that's going to last particularly after Obviously, the uh, news we had that Mbappe will actually be allowed to play at some point. But it was peculiar. Yeah. And I think I may have mentioned to you, Chris, I can't remember because Saturday was a tricky day. Yeah. But when I was doing English A-level, I remember one of my teachers talking about Anthony Cleopatra saying, there's lots of activity, but there's no action. Yeah. And yeah. that's exactly... We've all been there. The, <laughs> no comment. Exactly what we saw. There were, there were people, you know, passes, crisp, lovely, everything. You know, me running out to take the, the corners. It was well, no, no. activity and no action. I do think Virgo was good. Yeah, yeah. Defensively, it was a very good performance all round. It on a, on another night, seventeen um, shots from PSG, three yeah, on I mean, target. I think I counted three of those were were what I'd call genuine chances. I think Ramos probably should have done better with a header, and I think there was a chance yeah. towards the end that should have. But um, yeah, I, I mean, time will tell. Um, yeah. we're running, we're running out yeah, of time. Definitely, but as. When you're the PSG coach and you're the PSG new coach and yeah. you've got all this shit off pitch to deal with, then I imagine that you were pretty much told we need to make this count. We need to put a marker down. And yeah. that was nothing. just weird. Yeah, agreed, agreed. It'll be interesting to see what we get in the coming weeks. But yeah, 
from a Lorient perspective, definitely a good time to play PSG and um, yes. we'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, just before we go, we will just quickly run down the fixtures uh, upcoming. So today, obviously, being Monday the 14th, the next round starts on the 18th, which is Friday. I think I'm right in saying. Just check the notes. Yes, indeed it is. Uh, Mets against Marseille. So, yeah, that will be one for you, Jez. The first home game in the season for Mets uh, on Saturday, Leon against Montpellier. That'll be a decent one to catch if you can at 4 pm. And the evening game is PSG in action this time away from home in Toulouse with their new coach and everything. And then on the Sunday, you've got the 12 midday game, uh, Lille against Nantes, followed by the 4 p.m. Uh, the 2 pm, three games at 2 pm, Lave against Brest, uh, Lorient against Nice, uh, Rams against Clermont. Followed by Monaco, Strasbourg at 4.05 and the evening game, don't forget, 7.45 kickoff uh, is a loss against Rennes and not playing Monaco on the 25th, which I think is actually, no, that's that's the following week's fixtures, isn't it? Yes, it is. Right, now know. we've got Marseille with the um, European game. Um, like, yeah. Yes. On... I don't know why that game appears there. It's very strange. Yeah. Yes. So that will be uh, that will be one to to tune in for because so the, that's a that's a short turnaround for isn't it, Jack? And I imagine there's been letters sent about yeah, and they really need to win that game, by the way, because dropping out of this competition, a la Monaco last season, is unthinkable for Marseille at this particular stage. Would not be good. Would not be good well, indeed. Dimitri Payet is apparently in Brazil. Gone to Brazil? Yes, he has. He didn't be very, very happy about that. Out of respect for Marseille, he turned down multiple other French clubs apparently because he didn't want to disrespect them. Which is, although um, Dimitri and the Brazilian diet, I'm not. I'm not sure about that to be honest. Um, him, well. him at Vasco da Gama is going to be like when APG went to Mexico. I'm calling it now. It's going to last four months max. No, no. I think it's I not, think he's going to be adorably not, happy. I don't think it's going to be Gignac in Mexico. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I don't think it's going to last, but... We'll see. We'll see. Um, right, we're going to leave it there because I know Jez needs to dash off and uh, I'm on double podcast duty myself this evening. So we will draw a line there. We will be back uh, next week, next Monday, to discuss the weekend's action. And uh, by then we might have some Neymar clarity and I'm sure there'll be another 50,000 transfers that we have no, no hope of keeping up with in between times. So uh, we will keep you abreast of those. But for now, uh, Phil, thanks for joining us for week one. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. And Jez, uh, try, try and stay out from behind the sofa. It will get better. I promise you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. All right. And again, those kits are wonderful. So thank you for joining us this week. Thank you. Good stuff. Right. Uh, Jess is off to watch highlights of Brighton's win at the weekend. And uh, I'm off to uh, scout Crystal Palace. But until next week, uh, whatever you choose to do, whatever game you're going to watch this weekend, enjoy your French football. It's good to be back and we'll speak to you very soon.